Welcome to the Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential entrepreneurs. When I say personal, I mean really, really personal. So personal that the things that they're going to open up in here about, they haven't shared anywhere else. And today is an example of that. I had none other than Dr. Deed Harrison on the show today. And he literally needs no introduction. If you're a chiropractor and you don't know who he is, I suggest you use Google, Deed Harrison, and uh, do it now. It, it is very important. The work he's done for our profession has been uh, profound when it comes down to research. Now, this episode was so fun and entertaining. Deed um, shared about his his father, Dr. Don Harrison, who's really the father of, chiro- of uh, chiropractic biophysics and uh, research in chiropractic. He also shared about the, the one time where he was a girl running around in his neighborhood. So I'm just going to leave it at that. You're going to want to have to listen all the way to the end for that story. And I will guarantee you at least a smile, if not a big LOL. Um, Deed was a blast to have on the show. He's fun. He's funny. He's kind. And most importantly, he's got some really strong core values that, that he stands by. All of this has allowed him to um, have the influence that he has in our profession. And speaking about core values, you can have a vision for your life. You can have a vision for your practice. You can have strategy. You can have tools, all the things. But if you don't know what your core values are, then you're going to get pulled here and there and completely out of alignment, pun intended. You probably already know about Elevate Club, which um, is where not only I teach about creating a clear vision for your practice and your life, because let's be honest, a lot of us don't actually have that. Or if we do, it's not something that's at the forefront of our mind. But also I teach about core values because strategies, tools, all the things, those are just the how. And that's one small part of the equation. You can learn more about Elevate Club or join us there at www.elevate.me and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. I'm sure the link is in here in the show notes somewhere. As always, enjoy this episode and be sure to subscribe, share, like, etc. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secret Lives of Chiropractors. I have my very first guest that needs literally no introduction, Dr. Deed Harrison. Um, If you're into chiropractic research, if you're into anything that's scientific that has to do with chiropractic, you probably already know Dr. Deed. If you don't know, you've been (laughs) living under a rock. And um, I am super excited to have him today and just kind of dive into some personal questions. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Nona. I really appreciate it. And I'll call, if it's okay, I'll call you your first name and you can just call me my first name. Okay, cool. perfect. Yeah. Makes it easy. Yeah. All right, beautiful. So one of the first questions I always like to ask my, my um, guests, Steed, is what was your childhood like? And I think this... <laughs> More than anybody, this question is just going to be super interesting 
for you to answer. Like your dad has a very strong personality. Um, I, I want to know who Deed was as like a four-year-old, five-year-old. Oh, gee. Yeah, that's going way back. I mean, my parents, look, my parents got divorced when I was about five. Uh, I lived with my mom up until I was 12. I saw my dad's in, or saw my dad in the summers and uh, every other major holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, I moved, I moved and lived with my dad uh, when I turned uh, about 13, uh, 14. And, you know, that's when you're your personality really comes out that you remember. I mean, as a child, you know, typical upbringing, whatever, hunting, fishing, stuff like that. Uh, I, I vaguely remember uh, being involved in chiropractic when my dad was at Western States in the 1970s. So I would have been five, you know, six years old then. Uh, you know, the only thing I remember about that time is uh, playing in uh the downstairs mortuary where Dan Murphy and my dad lived uh, above a true mortuary with caskets and, and whatnot. They rented the apartment above that. And then they worked that mortuary uh, mortuary at night uh, wow. taking turns. So my dad and Dan Murphy were roommates in chiropractic college. Uh, wow. And I would stay in that little uh, apartment. So I, you know, what I remember about that is Dan Murphy, we played hide and seek uh, in the caskets and, in, the uh, in the casket. Yeah. And he shut the lid on me one time. So maybe that's what turned me into what I am today. Right. <laughs> so we can blame Dan Murphy on this. Right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, then, yeah. no, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, well, then, you know, when I went and lived with my dad, that's when I started seeing who he was as a chiropractor. And I, I would say that's what got my foot in the door as a, as a teenager that, you know, saw what he was doing, the conferences, the research, uh, writing books, things like that. So at that point at 13, two questions. One, was it your decision to go uh, live with your dad or how did that go? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I was always a little rebellious. I mean, it's a, it's a Harrison trait to have a strong personality. Uh, I wasn't getting along with my mom and my stepdad at the time. Uh, because I, you know, I wanted, I needed to be with my dad. I liked, mm-hmm. I liked the outdoors, the hunting, the fishing, the backpacking, that type of lifestyle. Uh, and my mom, you know, and my stepfather, I mean, they were amazing, but they didn't offer that for me. Yeah. So, you know, basically I, I basically forced the hand to, to make them, uh, you know, let them uh, have me move. Okay. And so what was that like living with your dad? Like, especially at the beginning? Oh, well, yeah. When I, when point, sorry, to clarify, up until you were 13, you didn't live with your dad. You really only saw him every other holiday and every once in a while, yeah? It's summers, yeah. So I, I didn't know him that well. I mean, you know him, but, you know, you don't, you're not living with him 24-7. So I spent most of the time with my mom from five, the age of five to about 13. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So then when I when I went and lived with my dad... Uh, he, he had divorced again for the second time at that time. Uh, and literally, I mean, he and I lived in a studio apartment or a condo on the golf course, a really nice place, but no private security like condo. And, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, basically he had a place, uh, that didn't allow kids and didn't allow dogs. And I showed up as a kid and with my dog. <laughs> That sounds like something the Harrisons would do. Like we're not allowed yeah. dogs and children. And you're like, we're bringing a dog and a child. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it existed. It was the section that he lived in, in that, in that condo. Yeah. And so he just said, whatever, just to change the rule. And they allowed it. Cause I wasn't a little kid, you know, I was, you know, I was 14, but I did have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So what's, what's like a funny story that you remember about your dad? <laughs> you want you want funny or do you want dirty? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, give me give me the you know what? Give me the dirty one. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, it's both. It's funny and dirty. I, I mean, I won't be vulgar, but you know, he's a single guy at the time. Uh, had gone through a divorce, and so you know, he was he was dating, and he didn't allow people to have the the key to the condo or the security to get into it. So we lived on the second floor. And literally there would be, there'd be his visitors that my window was by the sidewalk that walked along the golf course. And you could walk around that and you could like throw little rocks at my window in the middle of the night and give me, get my attention. Uh, but you couldn't throw the rock at my dad's window. Uh. So, and so he would be, <laughs> he would be, you know, interacting with a female that was staying the night and you know, I'm, I'm 14, whatever. And I don't care. I don't judge whatever. And then I'd have another woman that was throwing rocks at my window that was trying to get his attention. Cause wow. you know, there's, there's no cell phones or anything back then. It was just, you had a house phone. You showed and, up. Yeah. And so I would have to open my window and say, Oh, dad's not home. <laughs> <He's busy. laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I turned into a good liar. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Two bachelors, right? <laughs> Two bachelors. <laughs> that's awesome. What about, um, for you, what's like a funny story that people, that people in your families, actually, I, I can probably think of some that I have heard just over the years of, you know, being in CVP and the CVP family, but what's a funny story that people s- tell about you? About me. Yeah. Like what's the funniest story people say about Deed? Like Deed is what? Like this one time Deed did the one <laughs> did what? I mean, you you mean in chiropractic or in like, like childhood, chiropractic, uh, anything. Like the dirtiest, the funniest. Well, yeah, okay. Well, if you were to ask my high school friends, which I yeah. still maintain contact with, you know, I, I was a wild kid. I mean, literally, I grew up in Wyoming. I, you know, after I lived with my dad a year or two, I was getting in too much trouble in California. And so he moved to uh, Wyoming in a little small town, which turned out to be great. I loved it there, the outdoor activity. But, you know, when you're 16, 17, you and your buddies, you you go out. You know, it's not like it is today. So we would go out drinking and four-wheeling in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, I don't recommend that. You know, I'm not saying I, I condone drinking and driving, but it was a small town. And, you know, the worst that would happen is you'd end up in a ditch off, you know, whatever road and you'd have to walk home. So, you know, one one day I, I left a little bit of the empty beer bottles inside my Bronco in, in the console. So I had a full size Bronco and I had this big center console that you could line it with a hefty, hefty trash bag. And you put ice in there and it would fit a case of beer. Mm. So, and then you could lock it too. So, you know, if you ever got pulled over, you had your own cooler in the center console and it's locked. What anyway. Well, nowadays nowadays you pay extra for that, for that, like the the SUV, you know, the, the big Teslas or the whatever's, they have the cooler in there, but that's old version. Okay. 
Yeah, we made our own back in the seventies. You That's know, or this was sorry. I had a seventy nine Bronco, and this was like nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty nine, and it was winter time, and I'd left the beer in my Bronco cooler, and I didn't realize that my dad was gonna get up and need to move my Bronco. So he found he found all that beer in my Bronco and uh, woke me up and. You know, it's it's mid mid to late morning, but I was, you know, sleeping off some booze and uh, wintertime in Wyoming. And I think it was actually like Christmas break. And so there, there's snow on the ground. It's really cold. And my dad woke me up and he said, well, what in the hell is this? And I said, you know, what any kid would say, I go, well, it looks like empty beer bottles, dad. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's all it took. He tried to get a hold of me and I knew what was going to happen. Uh, I was going to get, you know, my butt beat yep. uh, even at 16 or 17. So I'm in my underwear. So I took off running down the road, literally no shoes, no socks, no shirt. I'm in my underwear. And all I can think of is to, to run to my best friend's house who's straight down the road, one block. So his house and mine faced each other, but on, on, you know, one block away. Okay. Well, so I, I literally, there's snow on the ground, it's probably 10, 15 degrees out and I'm in my underwear and I had really long hair. Uh And, and so my buddy's grandparents were visiting for the holidays and they were looking out their window and his uh, grandmother looked out the window and he said, she said, Holy shit. There's a a half naked girl running down the street in, in her underwear. And and my my buddy's dad looked out the window. He goes, that's not a girl. That's deed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and my dad was chasing me in the truck, like in the truck. Really, the truck. In the wow. truck. But he he couldn't catch me. I mean, he was old and out, out of shape and fat. So he was going to actually, he was going to take me out with his truck. He was so mad at me. So yeah, I ran through my neighbor's yard, my buddy's yard into their front door. Cause it was open. We never locked our doors. And uh, I ran right into the living room and said hi to his grandparents in my underwear. underwear. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, ran into the back room where my buddy slept and I shut the door and I said, don't let my dad in. <laughs> so, there you go. That's, that's pretty funny. So is that a, to- is that a story that gets told like in, inside of your like high school friends or. Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I never lived that one down. I mean, no, that's a good like, one though. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, like I was called a girl cause I had long hair running <laughs> and and I'm in, in the wintertime in Wyoming, no shoes, no nothing. And I'm in my underwear with my dad chasing me. Needless to say, I, had, I, I, did, I didn't get my, my butt kicked, but I got grounded. But mm-hmm. my dad, was he was laughing so hard by the time he got a hold of me. Because, <laughs> I mean, what do you say? Because I'm yeah. in, yeah, yeah, well, welcome. Yeah, that's funny. So you're, speaking of your dad, he is obviously like the biggest and I think you're the biggest influence in my life when it comes down to chiropractic and your dad's like the biggest indirect influence, not just on my life personally, but a lot of people, a lot of chiropractors, like, and, um, I would imagine like he would be the person you would be like, he's also the biggest influence or one of top three influences in your life. I'm curious when he passed, like, what was that like for you? Well, yeah, you, you know, you go full circle in life with, with your parents, I think. Mm-hmm. You go to a place when you're in your, you know, late teenage years and 
maybe college years where you don't really, you don't, you want away from them. You don't appreciate them as, as people, they're your parents, but you don't look at them as real people until somewhere for me, it was 22 to 24. And then I realized my dad was just doing the best he can, like anybody else in life and, you know, working and trying to raise kids and, and, you know, make a great career. Well, you know, after college and when I got into chiropractic college, you know, that came full circle for me to where my dad became not just my father. He became my mentor that I was learning from, but also because I picked it up very, very fast and, you know, had a knack for understanding CBP and the spine and and doing research, uh, even as a student, that my dad and I then had a bond that was truly, you know, not just father and son, but it was a friendship. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, from the time I was in my last year in chiropractic college uh, to when he passed away in 2011, uh, we talked every day on the phone almost. Wow. And, and then we taught seminars together, uh, you know, 30 to 40 weekends a year. A lot of people don't don't understand what that is. Nowadays, we back off a little bit. We don't do that. But literally in the 90s and uh, through the 2000s, I was on the road 30 to 40 weekends a year with my dad. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, we, we, we both went to Salt Lake City Airport. He would drive there. I would fly there uh, from Elko, Nevada, where I, I had a practice. And then we would fly from Salt Lake City to wherever the destination was. So we'd be on the same plane. And so we sat next to each other on that Salt Lake flight all the time. Mm. And then, you know, then we're in hell back then CBP, we didn't have a lot of money. So I had to share a hotel room with my dad. And, <laughs> and uh, so literally I was, I was in the same room as my dad, you know, 80 nights a, a year. Yeah. So, so you can't help, but now you have a bond that's different than, you know, a standard father son relationship. You know, it was a mentor friendship and uh, we thought a lot alike, yeah. obviously. Uh, so when he passed away, that was very challenging uh, because, you know, I lost a father. I lost a friend. Mm. I lost a mentor. Yeah. Uh, and, and then now I had to I had to do what he did, not just what I was doing, but I had to do what he was doing. I had to run the organization and and direct the the future of it and that. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's really ready for that. I can tell you, I don't think I was, but I, I think I did okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're obviously doing a wonderful job at it, but I can I can imagine that's very heavy. Yep. That's Yeah, I mean, you know, we can go through that. People that have lost loved ones, I don't care if it's a, you know, brother, sister, uh, a parent, mm-hmm. or a spouse, you know, when that, when that happens, that's, I mean, it's devastating. I, you know, I don't know that I handled that really well. The first three months, yeah, I put on a face, and then at night I literally stayed up till three in the morning, and I would eat a bag of Cheetos and and uh, drink myself to sleep, mm. uh, and and then I'd get up and pretend that didn't happen, you know. So you know, after three months, you gain thirty pounds, and you look like crap, and your kids are kind of wondering what's going on with you, and so you got to clean yourself up. But you know, that's what happens when you lose a. a but I think a figure like that, you know, I, I pulled out of that though. It took three months, but literally, I mean, that's kind of how I, I handled the depression. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that that was, so I guess let me ask, ask it this way. It was, 
aside from that, what was the hardest thing that you've ever gone through? The, the most struggling time? I, I think that would be it. That would be it. That would be a number. Yeah. yeah when, when I lost my father, even yeah. though, you know, I knew it was coming because at that point his health had turned, but you know, there was still, he was okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just the way he, he uh, passed away rather suddenly that he, he had a few more years left. Mm. And, was uh, it, I don't think I know how your dad passed away. Complications of type two diabetes. Wow. Uh, he actually, uh, believe it or not, he uh, choked, suffocated on a hot dog. Oh, really? Yeah. So the, the, the throat muscles, uh, the throat muscles wouldn't work as well uh, in yeah. the late stages of what he had. And uh, it just, you know, it, it went pretty soon, suddenly. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's not like you knew it was coming where you could have spent time with him or anything like that. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that would have been, for me, in my, in my career, my adult life, that's the most challenging thing I've ever been through. Okay, yeah. You, you know, and then, you know, going through a divorce, uh, when uh, Shirlene and I got divorced personally, that, that wasn't easy. Yeah. Uh, but, but that was a choice, right. um, you know, in 2015, 16, that was a choice that we both made that we needed to do, but you know, you, when you have kids and so that, those, those are hard things, but certainly the death of my father was much more challenging. Yeah. I understand that. Now, um, is there something that you, I know everybody says when I ask this question, the first response is usually like, I don't regret anything. I've learned lessons, blah, blah, blah. But if you were to Go back and do something different, or is there something that you do regret? Well, I get why people say this. I don't like to regret because sure. it's like, you know, would, would I do it different? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a better way. Yeah. So, uh, what would you do different? I guess the one thing in my career that, you know, I, I did things the hard way hmm. in, in terms of research. So, you know, I've published now. I think I'm at 190 peer-reviewed publications mm-hmm. that I'm an author or co-author on, uh, seven textbooks, uh, you know, multiple textbook chapters. So I, I'm truly an accomplished chiropractic uh, academic mm-hmm. and researcher. And then, of course, I ran, you know, and did two clinics. And so I, I'm very unique in the academic world. And the challenge is I don't have a master's degree or a PhD. So, you know, my late father, part of the, part of the struggle I had with him when I was 18 to 22 was that, you know, he was a dictator. He was, this is what you're going to do. And he was like, you're going to get your master's in mechanical engineering. Uh, if you want to get a PhD, I'll let you choose that. Uh, but you're, you're going to do a master's. Uh, then you're going to be a chiropractor. And then, then after that, I want you to be an MD too. So like a physiatrist or a DO, because he goes, somebody needs to have all three of those degrees so we can bridge the gap. Yeah. And so we can, you know, connect and research and also add credibility to chiropractic with chiropractic biophysics. Like and by, somebody, had, by somebody, he meant you. Like, yeah. right. And I was like, I'm sorry, Nona. If if I swear, it's just oh, it's all good. We've done it yeah. all. So at that age, I'm like, holy shit, man! That's a you want me to get a a master's or a PhD, then chiropractic, then my physical medicine degree too. 
I mean, what, what the hell? That's 15 years. Yeah. You know, and at that age, you don't, you don't see the need. Right. Okay. So I made it, you know, three and a half years in uh, the engineering program. And then it's not that I couldn't do it. I just didn't have the heart for it. And so I quit. I dropped out mm. of that. And then, you know, I went and I, I just worked construction for a while, uh, you know, which was probably needed because then it, you know, makes you realize what like that type of work is. Yeah. Yeah. What a true 70 to 80 hour work week is. And, and, you know, so I did that. And then I went back and got my prereqs for chiropractic college. Uh, and, you know, cause that's different when you're in engineering, you're not doing prereqs for chiropractic. Sure. So looking back on it, like, would I, what would I do different? Yeah. I would have finished a master's degree uh, at least because then that would have allowed me to segue into the PhD. Mm-hmm. With, I mean, edu- for me, education is really easy. I just, I have a mind for that. Yeah. I mean, obviously with the research and things that I do, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing a lot of those things now. And so I did it the hard way. Like I, I got my quote unquote, and I, you know, I don't like saying this, but it's like the equivalent. I've done the equivalent of PhDs in, in spine sure. research. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've developed, I've tested, I've designed projects. And, and most of the time, a PhD student finds that the hardest part. Right. And I just like, we do it all day long. Yeah. So what, 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 do I, what would I do different? Yeah. I would have at least done a master's degree yeah. um, in, 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 in the engineering field. Okay. Right? Okay. That's a good one. And, um, uh, this next question, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious what you're going to say. <laughs> what? Jeez. Right. Okay. I mean, I've already, I've already told you I was naked, half naked running down a street. I mean, it can't you know? get any, yeah, it's going to get better. Right. So, yeah. Um, what do you, what pisses deed off? Like, what's the thing that annoys you the most or like makes you angry or upsets you? When, when so well, firstly, when somebody accuses me of lying mm. or being unethical or cheating, so like you, you have these academics in chiropractic, and and I'm I'm a rogue academic in chiropractic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean in the chiropractic academic circle, mm-hmm. I, I am w- way more respected by academics outside the chiropractic profession than I am inside the chiropractic profession. That sucks. That's that's horrible. Yeah. And so, and probably because I, I don't tolerate the stuff that they say either. I mean, when they, you know, basically I, I get accused of being unethical in research, which is saying that I'm lying and cheating. And then what that does is that makes everybody I work with, they're accusing them too, right? Mm. So the whole team that I work with, like if you accuse me as an author of cheating and being unethical and and uh, it's only money and blah blah blah. Yeah, you're you're actually attacking my whole team. So I take that very serious, and I don't tolerate that. Yeah, and and basically I I react. I, I should react a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've stopped even listening to those things anymore, but basically I, I used to just, you know, 
call them out because I'm the t- I'm a I'm a redneck country boy, and you're going to accuse me of being a liar. I mean, that's you know, hear it. To to me, that's the worst thing. So then I'm going to be like, well, why don't we step outside? And uh, I know we're at a research conference, but let's just go outside. <laughs> and if you're gonna if you're gonna play that card, there's no science in that anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what really gets me going is it's the I don't I, you can call me names I don't care mm-hmm. like you can call me short I am you can call me balding I am you can call me a little chubby I am a little chubby I'm fit but I'm kind of fat um, th- those things don't bother me but when it's the when it's the academic character attack and that's why they don't want to accept the value and validity of CBP's work that we're doing that that's that's the button and it and it really gets to me because it's not just it's not just me it's the whole you're attacking everybody else and these people are wonderful i know these people they're wonderful humans and they're doing this because they believe it's the right thing to do yeah you're standing up for your people and it's when they're attacking your character but honestly and you know this already but when you have that much influence as much influence as you have influence in chiropractic you're going to get a crap load of people that are going to attack you one way or another. Sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's academically, or sometimes it's, you know, attacking your integrity or whatever, whatever way they can get their hands on really. Yeah. And so that's why, like I've learned in the last couple of years, it's really only been in the last couple of years that I've learned this. It's, I I don't know exactly when, but I can tell you it's within a few years that I've learned not not to even engage it with those individuals. Like I, I don't even go on those type of academic forums. I, I don't do that. Like, I feel like I've seen you. I've seen, I've seen feedback and like comments of yours in those in, or like screenshots of like, I feel like, have you really stopped in the past three years? Like, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah seriously. Now in this, in the CBP group, like I, I, I run that group so I can say what I want. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. So we have 2000 doctors in that closed forum in other groups. I don't, I don't even go in there anymore You're like, uh, because they just, they, they, they don't critique the research. They attack personal me, or, know, or attack the team. And so I just, I just ignore that. And it's really only been in the last few years. Like, let me, let me just tell you a funny story about my dad. This is where I get it from. So he was in, when he had his faculties, there was these chat rooms and academics would be in it and researchers. And somebody was like doing the same thing to him. They were attacking him, not the work, but just on and on and had all these questions, right? And you got to realize this goes out to all these researchers internationally. Right. And so my dad just wrote on there and said, "Um, you know, I'll answer your questions, but I have one for you first. And he said, if you die before me, can I take a crap on your grave? (laughs) (laughs) He goes, because that's what I think of you. And and then, I mean, he just ended the conversation. But then everybody saw that. And it just, you know, lit up everything. Don Harrison's a jerk and blah, 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 blah. But it was my dad's way of saying, you know, hey, let's not do the character attacks and if you're going to do that, then I'm going to call you out too. So that's where I get that from in my blood. So I just now I choose not to even engage in those things. I feel like at least once you should use that line. Right. And I, I'm being nice. I mean, he said, obviously he said shit instead of crap, but sure. you know, whatever. Uh, 
but that, you know, that was my dad. I mean, he, yeah. he called a spade a spade too. And if you're going to, you know, attack the individual and the character instead of the data, he was just like, well, then, Hey, let's just go the, the totally that way. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's really funny. I, I feel like that's a good line to just have in your toolbox. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, I have some really like quick questions for you. Uh, let's see. The first one is, do you have a childhood nickname? And if so, what it is, what is it? (laughs) Well, it actually goes along with the story. I mean, it was more of a high school because the story, when I was running down the street, Uh I had had long hair and you can't tell, but I had ringlets in the back, naturally curly, long hair in the back. So, you know, it was kind of just a little wavy here, but it had these ringlets um, so, uh, I was nicknamed Deidre. Deidre. <laughs> yeah. So with the RA and That's then, girl name. and that was, you know, by my dad and my buddy's parents, that's what they called me because, you know, you're talking about Wyoming and I'm the kid with long hair. So I, the parents, the adults called me Deidre, but, but my friends actually still like today, uh, still fits. They call me dirty deed. Dirty. De- I, yeah, I knew that one. Uh, Right. So it's still, I mean, it's um, like, you know, Cheryl, my, my uh, girlfriend now uh, that I've been with for a long time. Uh, she, you know, got me a, a Yeti coffee cup with an elk on it uh, and put my dirty deed on it for Valentine's Day. And I mean, it just fits because I, I, I mean, look, you can't be all serious in science. So I, I have opposite personalities. I have the science, the education, the research, where I take chiropractic very serious. And then I'm a redneck country guy, dirty on the side, you know, so. And we love both of those sides. We yeah. wouldn't want it any other way. Well, I appreciate that because that's just, it's Jekyll and Hyde. We like it. We like it. All right. Well, tell me. What kind of a student were you when you were in high school? Like an A student, F student? Well, it's like, you know, the rebellion. I smile because I'm, I'm laughing at the, the struggle with my dad. So freshman year, I, I just didn't want anything to do with him. Uh, sophomore year, I kind of cleaned myself up a little bit. Academics always came easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, junior and senior year, straight A's. Like I was, I was always in, like we called it back then AP advanced placement. So I was always in, you know, the highest calculus and the highest chemistry and the physics and, you know, the AP history, English, whatever. So I was in those classes. Uh, So academics came easy, but I rebelled. So I'd say the first year and a half, certainly the first year in high school freshman, I wasn't that good at all. Uh, but my my last uh, two and a half years, I mean, I aced it. You stepped it up. Yeah. Yeah. And then that translated into chiropractic college. I found chiropractic college very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to, I think, publish eight, eight peer-reviewed papers. As a student. Uh, as a student. And granted, I mean, my, my dad everybody was on some of those, but some of them were, I was the lead author. So I, I did the whole layout, the majority of the work. And I did that as a chiropractic student. Mm. So, and I, I found a way to read uh, 
the entire issues of spine as a student from 1975 to 1996. By the time I graduated, uh, I read every year, every issue of spine, the journal. Wow. Because my dad, my dad said, my dad said, if you read and understand this, you'll know uh, more than, you know, the majority of chiropractors out there and you'll understand research. And so I did. And, and that's why we're here. Right. Yep. That's why you're um, and did who was the biggest influence aside from your dad? Who would you say was the biggest influence in your life? Well, you mean, you know, professionally or personally, you know, there's, you know, of course I have to say my mother cause you know, I don't have to, but I, I, you know, for me, my mom was a huge part of the softer side of my personality. You have you know, a why- softer side to your personality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that comes from my mother. You got that from uh, mom. Yeah, so she's she's awesome. Uh, way way different, obviously, than my father. She's yeah. super spiritual. Uh, you know, he, you know, very emotional, like in a good way. Yeah. But compassionate uh, for humans, like you know, just gives back. Does you know, community things. Goes to uh, you know hospice things helps people that you know are on their deathbed my my mom's really really very genuine individual so my mom uh certainly and then uh in chiropractic it would have to be dan murphy too Mm. you know dan was was a big influence in my my career Mm. and more than you know more than the average person because he and my dad were best friends sure so you know i got to interact with dan i got to see dan and you know, learn from him mm-hmm. in different ways. And, you know, so he, he was a big influence in my, in my career too, but certainly my father would have been the biggest, the biggest. Yeah. I would assume that really yeah. cool. And, um, did just to wrap up, what is the, what's exciting in your life right now? Like, what are you working on? That's super exciting. And also, um, where can people get in touch with you or read your research or anything? I know we have the annual coming up. We've got a couple, you, you always have projects and research. Right, so, working on. so now, I mean, they're going to have these stories in their mind when they're reading these research papers. Um, you know, first of all, idealspine.com, the CBP website, mm-hmm. everything's on there. So you go to idealspine.com and we have uh, doctor resources, patient resources. We have our seminars there, our product store, uh, that's their idealspine.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the research is on cbpnonprofit.com. Uh, so you can see all of our publications listed there by type of study. Is it a systematic literature review, randomized trial, case report? What What is it? They're all listed by section and then year that they were published. So I put that together because people in the academic world you know, we're always somehow missing the CBP publications, mm-hmm. like they couldn't find them. Right. Mm-hmm. So we built a CBP nonprofit website with everything there. And there's links to all the papers so you can find them in uh, the different index engines that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, th- those are the, the big resources. If anybody wants to check those out, that's great. So we have the technique ideal spine dot com for cbp and then we have the research cbp nonprofit.com 
Uh, the most exciting thing right now that I'm working on uh, just happened in the last week. Uh, Paul Oakley, uh, who's a chiropractor up in Canada, has a master's degree. He's working on his PhD right now in biomechanics. And he's my uh, right arm man in CBP research. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, Professor Ibrahim Mustafa, a PT PhD, is my left hand man. And I don't, you know, I hope that's not disrespectful. Some people say left and right, but what I mean is they're they're both of those. Like, yeah. uh, like Ibrahim can be my right, and Paul can be my left. I, I don't know uh, what that is in different cultures, but I got to be careful, right, when I yeah, say yeah. that. So, sure. what I mean is they're they're part of my my team and I can't do, I can't do what I do without either Paul and Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, when we get invited, we all, we work together. And this time Paul uh, got a very, very big invitation. And I don't want to say what journal it is until it comes out, Sure. but we, we got invited to uh, through Paul. He's the primary editor of, of a special issue of this journal on spine rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And he got to pick two uh, guest or associate editors uh, to, to do the issue with him and manage it. And he picked Ibrahim and I, as, as he should, or I would have like cut his arm. I would have cut my arm off, been done with him. Um, but uh, we, uh, we have outlined 10 to 12 projects uh, for this new special issue of this top top uh, medical rehabilitation journal, and it's all about structural rehabilitation of the spine and posture, and it's it's a huge deal to get invited by top tier journals to run and manage a special issue. Yeah. Uh, so um, in all the papers, they still have to go through peer review. So people listening out there, it's not that you just get your paper automatically in. No, you get to outline these projects. Mm-hmm. And you write them up like anybody else and you submit it as part of the special issue. Mm-hmm. And they have to be, they have to be high quality uh, case controls, randomized trials, mm-hmm. uh, systematic literature reviews on the topic. So, I mean, that's, that's the exciting thing. It's going to be, uh, you know, six months to a year before that's, you know, completely finalized, wow. but, but that's the next project that we're working on, you know? Uh, so we, we're we're super prolific as a team uh, mm-hmm. in research, trying to change what chiropractic is is thought of, but also what we do to improve people's lives and health through chiropractic, and specifically through corrective chiropractic and spine rehabilitation. And so that's our mission. Yeah, and that's I feel like research, like CBP being the most research technique in all of chiropractic, like that is definitely what CBP brings to the table. And I feel like it does that not just for CBP doctors, for for all chiropractors. If they were just kind of like go onto the website, <laughs> look some stuff up, and you know, even if they didn't do CBP in their practices, it's like such a valuable thing for our entire profession. Right. So, I mean, they can, they can even dabble in a little bit of CBP and they can get better corrections than totally. they're getting right now. And I, I guarantee that and that's because of the research that we've done. I mean, you can just you can look at what we do and you mm-hmm. can see the results. So even dabbling is better than doing nothing or closing your eyes and saying, oh, there is no research or I can't find the research or whatever. Well, now you guys know where to find the research. You go to CBP nonprofit dot com. 
And uh, also check out idealspine.com. Thank you so much, Deed, for giving me your time. I know you're super busy. So I, I'm super appreciative of this time that I got to spend with you and hear your stories and your, and about your dad and stuff. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Nona, really. And uh, I'm happy to do it. And I'm, I'm still smiling because I didn't expect to tell you those stories. I know. Well, that's, that's why it's called the secret lives of chiropractors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for watching and listening and um, be sure to subscribe for other episodes and we'll see you in here. You'll get to listen to the next episode. Thanks everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.